Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Advent Podcast. This is week four, and we've been having this podcast for the last several weeks uh, through the season of Advent as we've been waiting and celebrating and waiting in anticipation for the coming of the Messiah and been looking at some different ways to experience that um, and, and just kind of diving deeper into what the season means for us as a church, but also in this unique year. Advent is a unique season every year. Uh, and then it has different emphases and, and, and ways to fully participate in the season. But in the year 2020, when everything feels like Advent, when everything feels like waiting for the next thing, when everything feels like um, all our hopes are placed into something still to come, uh, Advent it hits a little differently this year. So today I'm excited to to be with these three other people uh, that I love and respect and uh, I'm I'm really excited for you to hear more from them. We're just going to introduce everybody first. I'm just going to go in the order of our squares on Zoom here. Uh, we've got Pastor Grace Savage. She uh, is from California. She's a Trevecca Nazarene University grad, and she's a staff member of Trevecca Community Church. She's our middle school pastor and handles all of our church's communications and other tasks as assigned. So, Grace, we're glad to have you with us. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, and then the next square, we've got a familiar face, though you can't see her, uh, in Jade Kravitz. She is the worship director at Harvester Church of the Nazarene in Missouri. Uh, but she is still in some of our worship videos on Sunday mornings uh, on, in old videos that we've used. She was a member of our worship team uh, a couple of different times in between worship leading assignments. And she interned at Trevecca Community Church when she was a student at Trevecca Nazarene University. She is a very familiar face and will be a great voice to have in this conversation. Jade, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And last but not least, we've got Austin Heller. Austin <laughs> uh, is a longtime friend of mine. We traveled in groups together in college at Trevecca Nazarene University. Uh, we were roommates for a little bit, and he is the brains behind most of our worship music in, in this year. Uh, he, he's worked with me every week in uh, creating arrangements and uh, getting everything ready and recording and mixing all of our music. So you may not recognize his voice, but you surely recognize his face or his skills on Sunday mornings. So Austin, thanks for being here, bro. <laughs> thanks, man. It's good to be here. Yeah. Just this first thing that we're going to talk about today, we're looking today specifically in this year's Advent series, a Weary World Rejoices, famously taken from uh, the song, O Holy Night. We're, we're, we're looking today at what it means to rejoice in worship. Rejoicing in worship isn't, um, isn't characterized by any style or, or feeling or um, presentation in general at all. Uh, in fact, when I think of rejoicing in worship, I'm thinking of people jumping up and down on a on a platform, dancing around the stage. Um, and just because of my, my personality type, that uh, is not really rejoicing for me. Uh, rejoice, it, it, it's some, it feels like something deeper, like something different, especially in worship. So as we talk about that uh, today, I just want to start off and, and see if anybody has any favorite worship moments of 2020. This has been the year of online church. This has been uh, the year of uh, in our context, uh, unifying uh, our courts and sanctuary services into one unified worship service that, that's not characterized by 
any style, but all the styles or by any team, but, but all the teams. So there's plenty of moments and unique moments to choose from. Uh, but yeah, I just, I'll just throw it out there. Does anybody have a favorite worship moment from this year? I'll go first. All right. My uh, favorite worship moment, I think of all 2020, I remember uh, we had been struggling to figure out like how to do online things for the first two weeks of like shutting everything down on campus. Um, it was like everything felt kind of weird and kind of off and we were like, it's kind of nice that I get to sleep in a little bit on a Sunday morning, but we still don't really know what we're doing. And then the first week that you did the Apostles Creed video, and we got to see all these different people and members of our congregation um, articulating the Apostles Creed, and we got to say it with them. And like hearing from you the first couple of weeks was great. We loved it. But like seeing like our congregation and like our family's faces as they articulated and affirmed who we believed in as we moved into like this song worship like for me it was just like oh my gosh yes like this is what it means to worship as the body of christ even though i'm sitting in austin's basement on the couch watching this on his tv like we are still worshiping together and like we are in this together and i think like that was really emphasized further by the fact that like we just had the tornado and like we've had this like almost great moment of coming together and suddenly like we were all stripped apart from each other and we got to once again like see people in a way um but more than that like I just felt like I could like hear in their voices excuse me like how like excited they were to be a part of worship together again and just what it meant to be a part of that and it was people that maybe wouldn't get up on the stage on a normal Sunday and lead us in a song or be a part of the choir and for me like that like I'll always remember just that feeling of like yeah like we are the church gathering together to worship even if it's not in the way that I really want it to be at this point in time like we are here we are together yeah that's great yeah um, I remember that first day too and that was one of the first truly intergenerational worship elements our church has had in, in a long time as well um yeah the, uh, white hair and no hair because it hasn't come in yet in those videos all at the same time and everywhere in between that was that was really special I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up what about you guys any other moments yeah i have one um so this year is the uncertain year we're all feeling it um we've been feeling it all year but um at one point when we were pre-recording some point in the summer, I um, couldn't tell you what day it was, but I think all of us came in just kind of exhausted and not ready to sing to an empty room and cameras again and just feeling um, weary, you know? And before we began recording, before we even began rehearsal, um, you asked if we could just take a moment and sing 10,000 Reasons together as a team. And that song, it's, you know, a classic. And I, there are days where I'm like, stop singing 10,000 Reasons. But uh, in that moment, I I didn't even sing. I think I just stood there and cried and like understanding what is true about God. Like it's your holy name that we are here to worship. And I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to bless the Lord. Um, that was just a moment for me to understand how important it is. I always hear you can't lead 
a congregation where you haven't already been. Um, and so for us to take that time to go somewhere together, to be in a place where we were worshiping together before trying to lead a congregation because we were so tired, I think was so important. So that was a big mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I'm glad you brought that up too. Good memory. Thank you. Austin, yeah. you have something? It's funny. Like I was hearing Jade say that and it made me think of exactly that. Um, and the reason I was like thinking through like, what, if, what was my favorite moment? And it was so hard because normally we have these moments where it's like, we're all together in the church and there's these powerful moments of all of us together. And there wasn't that this year. And every time I was at the church recording with, you know, we were doing worship, I was like focused on the details. I was like, I'm just trying to get this done. <laughs> but that specific moment, I think we did two or three times where we started before and it was like, Oh, the intentions here. And like I was thinking, I know we're going to talk about this later, like what is worship? And there was like so much of the atten- intention being there in that moment. Um, and sadly, with all the recording, they're so hard to capture all of that. And that was one of the few moments where I was like, oh, this is, this is it. My focus is on Christ, um, which is kind of what worship is. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great, man. Yeah, and that, that's a good point to bring up too. In the year of online church and, and in our context, the year of pre-recording Wednesday nights uh, used to be choir and orchestra rehearsal and uh, and the courts band would show up on Sunday morning and rehearse during the first service and just knock it out. Um, Wednesday nights, especially in the beginning, we would be there for four to five hours uh, rehearsing the music and filming and recording uh, the, the videos for church on Sunday. And man, it's one thing when we are in your studio, Oss, and sorry, I shouldn't say nicknames. Austin is short for Austin. Um, it's one thing when we are in a studio on a Tuesday morning planning music and kind of experiencing that fresh for the first time together, where we could go and what kind of moments we could create for our church to come together and, and express worship in a different way. It's one thing to go from that to singing that set for the eighth time because Jordan keeps messing up the take because he forgets the words or uh, whatever. It's, it's almost always Jordan who messes up the take. And so, what'd you say? Jade's a diva. I know. <laughs> um, but, it, yeah, it's, it's, one, it's one thing for that first time to really experience that for the first time. And then to go, and by the time we finally get the take that is usable for Sunday morning, we've sung it and sung it and played it, and played it over and over and over again. And so even that, that take that the church gets to be exposed to, that gets to be led by, um, isn't even the best of our worship. It might be the best of our performance, but it's not the best and freshest of our worship. So that's kind of been an interesting dynamic too. Um, on Wednesdays when we are filming and recording, we're trying to get it perfect, um, because we, you know, in worship, we want, we want to eliminate distractions as best as possible. That's our, that's our job. And my job isn't to pick my favorite songs and sing them on Sunday. It's to, to plan something that just eliminates distractions and, and sets the stage for the church to experience the presence of Christ and, and to respond to the presence of Christ. Um, and so in that effort, we can get caught up in making sure it's perfect or just making sure we get through it. Now you say that, man, that is really resonating with me just in this year in general, in the year of change and in the year of online church. Um, so that's good. Thanks for saying that. 
Well, yeah, uh, Austin just, just said we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, what is worship, and, and we're going to kind of address that as well. But um, just kind of set the stage just a little bit more for this season of Advent, um, and specifically our church in the, the series, A Weary World Rejoices. Worship truly isn't how we wanted it to be this year. Um, for every church, something has changed. But in our church specifically, uh, we've gone from two different services, two different worship teams, in two different congregations, really. Uh, the, the plan was to be to move to one, but now we're online. And for a while, we've been in person as well. And so everything still has the potential to be a little bit divisive. And then the COVID-19 accommodations alone, you know, having to be socially distanced, which I'm still not good at. Um, it's still not intuitive to me. <sighs> having, having masks and singing through masks and masks fogging up glasses and all of those things, keeping people safe is the utmost priority. But uh, that, those accommodations alone present major barriers in, in worship. But there's this idea of kind of reframing our reference for worship in this season of Advent. Um, this season where we wait uh, for the coming of the Messiah. Um, you know, we, we stop singing songs uh, usually this year, I've, I've snuck in a couple um, just because we, we want to celebrate the fullness of the gospel. Uh, usually in Advent, we'll, we'll kind of stray away from songs uh, that's, that sing about the resurrection or that sing about the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, we focus on uh, this anticipation of the coming. We sing songs like, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, in fact, uh, for, for the Christmas Eve service uh, tomorrow, I'm, I'm putting together a video with clips of this year's uh, newsreels. 2020 has been a year, guys, with presidential debates and wildfires and COVID-19 and um, uh, Harvey Weinstein and the death of Kobe Bryant and um, impeachment and, in, in our case, just a couple of days before COVID-19, a tornado. Um, it has been a monster of a year. And that's just the issues that affect the grand scheme of everybody. Then you look at individual families and you see people who've, who we've lost this year or jobs that we've lost. And it's hard to, to approach a congregation or a service and say, all right, with all of this brokenness, with all, all of this hurt, Let's sing a happy song. Um, and so with, with that, we know something. that we want our worship to accomplish something. But it, it, just, it, it just means something differently this Advent season. So uh, what would you guys say? How would you define worship? If you can put words to it, uh, someone jump out and, and offer something. I think one thing I would use to describe or articulate worship is um, something that helps move us into a posture of recognizing and adoring and being in the presence of God. Um, so like for me, I spent most of my growing up life like always saying worship and saying like music. Um, and it wasn't until I was older that I found almost the freedom to articulate worship as everything we get to do in the service, whether that's listening to the sermon or getting to say these prayers together or even getting to watch little toddlers ring bells or whatever it is. It's this, it's the system by which we get to 
move into recognizing that like God is God. Um, and so worship has this opportunity to be something that um, can meet us wherever we are, whether it is in a posture of like heavy emotions or if we're in a state where like maybe we're not ready to enter into it emotionally, it can appear and connect to us on an intellectual level. Um, if we are in a place of sorrow, it is a means by which we can still experience God's joy. And maybe when we aren't experiencing suffering, it's also still a means by which we can enter into the suffering of our families in our congregation simply by the words we're saying from the platform or the prayers that we get to say together or the songs that we're singing that like worship is like so much. Um, and I think that that's, what's really cool about what like we get to do as pastors in planning a service is that we could say, yeah, we're doing a worship service and it doesn't have to mean just the songs we sing. But often I think as humans, we are connected on an emotional level to music. Like that's just how we're created. And so there is a lot of power and emphasis in the songs we choose to sing and the words that those songs say, and even the sounds that those songs make, that worship is just this thing that ushers us into the presence of God and the acknowledgement of God. And often it is going to be music because that is something that speaks almost universally to all humans. Yeah. I love that. And it was like, I love how you started out as like, it's easier sometimes to describe worship than it is to like define it, if that makes sense. Um, I realized because I think it's so like such a big thing that worship encompasses. Um, but the one thing that I was thinking about this week is how like almost, I was thinking it was like, I think of intention being so tied to worship. Um, and in that way, almost anything can be worship. Um, so like when we put, and I think what it makes it worship is when we put our intent um, on focusing on Christ and on being Christ-like and in that way, like anything. And I was also thinking on the opposite side of this, like I grew up the same way, like I'm a musician. It's the reason why I'm here in this meeting right now is because I play music and that got me tied into doing worship at church. Um, and in the same way, like intention and in anything can be worship. It also means like intention, like in a worship music setting cannot be worship. And it's something that's kind of been like really sitting on me this week of, where is our intention at when we are entering into worship traditionally, you know, in a music form in church. Um, but then also when I wake up every day, like what am I doing to incorporate worship into my life? If that makes any sense at all. Um, I don't know if that defines worship very well, but how I've been thinking of it is, is like, it's so much of this all encompassing thing of where we put our focus. Yeah. I think the amount of papers that I wrote as a worship arts major, Jordan, I'm sure you <laughs> understand. Um, what is worship? And, you know, we wrote worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a response. Worship is whatever. Um, every cliche that gets us an A plus. But truly, it is a response that um, calls us into, you know, whatever response to what God is in that moment to us. Um, not to say that God is changeable, but we might be called to um, just experience peace in the presence of God or hope looking forward or to recognize how God has been faithful or to forgive each other or um, 
experience healing emotionally or physically, you know, I think worship is, it, it calls us to respond to what God is doing. Um, whether that's reading a prayer or singing a song, um, music is a tool and songwriters are gifted. And there are so many songs that say, our God is great or death was defeated. Death has no sting, you know, so repetitive lyrics like that, um, we're responding to things that are true about God. And even if that doesn't move you to something emotional, it is um, something that we're scripturally called to do. So I think that it's an important practice in your lifestyle. Um, I think the cliches are true, but um, understanding what that means is essential. Yeah, that's good. And honestly, those cliches didn't get me an A+. Plus, so I'm glad they got, got you an A+. Good. <laughs> Uh, but no, no, I, I agree with everything you all said. Um, worship in, in all of the ways in which you just described it can be associated with music, but none of you pointed out that it is music or it is defined by music. And I, I think that that's an important point um, to make in this discussion, especially as we're looking in this season of, of waiting. You know, every, every week of Advent, we light candles to signify a different theme, um, hope, peace, joy, and love. We pray that all of these things, uh, that the presence of Christ would bring into our lives and that would, would uh, inspire and empower us to be forces of these things in the world, hope, peace, joy, and love. So, that, so with, with all this in mind, worship really is like a, a process, you know, it is, it's not just an experience typically on a Sunday morning, but it really truly is a process. You know, in, in Dan Boone's book, The Worship Plot, he breaks it down in a really great way. It's it kind a, of a retelling of Robert Weber, Robert Weber's fourfold uh, pattern of worship in that there is this, this first piece of the service that is the gathering. Okay. And this is where we kind of acknowledge how great and how big and how good our God is. And we kind of set the stage for the rest of the service. It, it's pretty common um, for worship leaders to pick songs around the themes of the sermon, you know, to try and weave everything together in a way. But what I've loved about this season of online church is the ability to be more creative than ever before in crafting worship elements that are specific and in some cases, 100% perfectly spot on for where whoever's preaching is wanting to go. That helps support the message, but not just so that it drives a point home, but that it can form our people in such a way. So in, in the gathering, in that first uh, piece of the, of the pattern of worship, um, we kind of establish our context. In, in the second uh, peace it's the the service of the word and this is this is the the usually the sermon the preaching the teaching um, and so you'll notice the gathering is everything that comes before that which is usually the bulk of all music in services that's just that's just in the first part so the the other three parts of the service get more weight more importance more significance um, i think that's important for us to note too in the third, this, this is the culmination of the service. This is the response of the people. Robert Weber points to it as uh, the table, communion. 
um, which is what we do every Sunday at, at Trevecca Community Church. And then the last one, the last piece of Weber's fourfold pattern of worship is the sending. This is the blessing, the dismissal, however you want to describe that. But truly, if, if you take this approach to, to service planning, it really is a process. Worship is not just a moment where we worship um, at a specific point. And, I, and I'll wait uh, a few minutes to uh, I want to hear some more from, from all of you before we talk about that last piece. But um, it truly is a, a process um, from going from point A to point B. We, we came, we entered the sanctuary or the Facebook Live service like this. And then when we leave, when this service is done, we want to be like that. Does that, does that resonate with any of you? Is that kind of what, um, does that ring true with what you were saying? Yeah. And actually one of the things I don't think that we said that it's probably an important part of worship is the worship forming us into something, which is kind of what you were talking about. And like, that's one of the most important parts. Um, I was reading a book about this that really made me kind of see this in a right way of like how we're talking about Christian worship, but worship, like there's anything. And I was actually thinking through this year, one of the biggest forms of almost worship, uh, maybe liturgy would be the better language, is like when I wake up and I look at the news and see the coronavirus counter. And I was like, that's almost forming this kind of fear and hopelessness in me. Mm -hmm. um, and in this weird way, it's like, I almost look at it the opposite of Christian, you know, not that's bad to like watch the news and be aware. Um, but yeah, I was like realizing, wait, like worship is this thing that forms us. Christian worship in the church should be forming hope when I was thinking of joy hope and joy um to see them as related so intricately um but of worship forming us into those things if that makes sense yeah no that's that's great man um truly uh, worship is formational worship is not just an experience but it, it is maybe maybe formational is a better word than saying worship is a process I, I think you're right on everything that we do everything that we participate in forms us in some way and so However we uh, spend our attention, our affection, um, our resources, whatever, those things form us, truly. And so in Christian worship, we want to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. And so as, as we participate in worship services in Advent, in Lent, in ordinary time, in any season of the year, the goal is to become more and more like Jesus. And we hope that worship services make our people more like Jesus. And, you know, to do that, part of it is, is to recognize, I heard this on NPR on my way over here, actually. They weren't talking about worship specifically, but in, in kind of dealing with the year 2020, feeling what we're feeling, not just functioning. And I think that part of, of what we do in worship is making, making space for people to feel and uh, to participate fully emotionally as well as, as make space for people to, to ponder and to wonder and to pray and to search and be searched so that whatever we're offering is, is true, um, not just putting on a happy face. Back to rejoicing in this season. Man, I don't, most Sundays, I don't want to jump up and down. Um, that's a personality. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know, that, that's a lot of things. But that doesn't mean that I'm not rejoicing inside that my, in my spirit isn't responding in some way in a profound and meaningful way. And I think that part of creating that space for people to have a safe place to experience that is to make room for people to mourn and grieve in worship, to lament in worship. That's, 
Jade, you, you said earlier that um, this is something we're scripturally called to do. That's scriptural as well. There is a ton of lament in, in the book of Psalms. And that means it's, if it's in the book of Psalms, it means it's probably appropriate for us to use in Christian worship as, as a means and a tool for worship and, and to identify with, with suffering and to take a stand and be inspired and be moved to, to be a force for change in the world, uh, especially if we're wanting to become more and more like Christ, then we especially want to take a stand for those who can't take a stand strong enough by themselves those who are weak, those who don't have a voice, those who need help. Um, um, this summer, we sang a lot, a lot about evangelism. And in, in the year of online church, uh, Facebook Live services is a form of evangelism. Is it the greatest? I don't know. Uh, probably not. <laughs> Social media is not the greatest. But um, this, this idea of being moved towards sharing the gospel and the kingdom of heaven being for everybody was something we explored a lot this summer. And it caused us to not sing a lot about, um, there are not a lot of upbeat songs. There aren't a lot of songs that we can open our services with that fit that. Um, But the whole point is to, to experience and be formed by what we're doing in worship. I want to say one thing, and then I'm going to ask you guys one last question and we're going to be done. Um, you know, when, when Shauna became our pastor in 2018, we had a discussion uh, where we truly uh, felt like our church really knew how to worship at the crescendo. That's what she said. Worship at the crescendo, where there's that octave jump in the melody and you have to scream at the top of your lungs, or there's that big key change and the trumpets are loud and the drums are loud. And all oh, that emotional experience we know this is our this is our time to respond. This is when we stand up. This is when we clap and cheer. This is when we raise our hands as high as we can. But in those moments of stillness and in quiet response, um, people didn't exactly know or feel comfortable with that kind of worship. And so that's something we've tried to lean into as well, because that's a part of worship. Worship at the decrescendo. Worship worship when it's uh, when it's the same volume and intensity. When it's low. When it's still. And we're, we are formed by that as well. Uh, last question I, I want to ask you guys, because I know we've got to wrap up. We need God to inspire a holy imagination in us that, we, that would allow us to rejoice in this season without the, the triumphant sounds and the fanfare that we've been expecting. We can't have a full worship team. We can't have a full room for worship. We can't even really have Christmas parties and things like that that we're used to. If there was just one thing that you could do to help yourself or others in in our church and in our community participate fully in the season of Advent as we await Christmas, what's something that you would suggest? Or maybe maybe it's a song or or, or some, it can be a practice, a song, um, a video, anything. What, what's something that you're going to be sure that you do or see or listen to that helps you worship this week? One form of worship that's been very different for me this year that I've kind of, um, I guess, like been reading about and kind of trying to understand is contemplative prayer. I know Shauna's, I think last year did some sermons on this um, of like, what does it mean to pray in silence? What does it mean just to sit and listen for God? 
Um, and then this year, like that's kind of been more of what I've turned to for times of worship because we don't have the big loud gatherings. You're kind of sitting with yourself and with God and being trying to be as authentic as you can and just listen. Um, and it's weird, kind of hard to explain. I grew up like where prayer was say all the words, say the coolest phrases you can, put them together in the right rhythm. And like, that was what prayer is. And I've been restructuring that to be like, maybe prayer is just sitting, listening and focusing on a scripture or um, something through my life. If that makes any sense at all, that's kind of what I've been experiencing. I feel like so much of 2020 as like my, uh, I guess a new expression of worship for me. Um, there is a quote from Annie Dillard that I have up on the wall in my office that says, when I worship, I expose myself to the power of God without any personal control over the outcome. It calls me to move beyond the farthest point I have yet reached, and it pushes me into uncharted territories. So um, Advent is a lot of sitting and waiting. Um, and for me, worship in general is a challenge to remove myself from myself and recognize that God is in control. And so we're waiting and anticipating what God is up to. And, and so sitting in that and exposing myself to the power of God without any personal control over the outcome, that's kind of been my practice of just, Hey God, um, I'm in misery. <laughs> what am I doing in misery? You know, and waiting on, on, what God is doing here and God is doing things here, but um, just saying yes and waiting, waiting for what God is doing. So Advent, classic anticipation, but removing myself from myself and giving up control over the outcome. That's so good. I think one of the things that I've been working on this season is like reframing waiting into anticipation because I feel like we've waited enough. And in a sense, like Advent really is more than just waiting. Like it is anticipating God and God coming. Um, and so for me, something that ties along really well with anticipation is like wonder and like putting myself in a position of wonder. Um, with our students, we end most of our large group meetings asking for shalom moments. Um, so the whole time they're in the youth group, we articulate that shalom is the inbreaking kingdom of God. It's the places where God's peace is present and God's peace is like these actions and things that don't make sense in the normal narrative of the world. And so where have you seen God's peace in the world? God's radical, whole-making, creation, restoring peace. Um, and so like I work with middle schoolers, so most of my job is like framing that for them so that by the time they're in high school, like they finally understand it's more than just like, oh yeah, like we bought a new car this week. Like a shalom moment is this like powerful moment where you get to see something even in the small things. Um, and so for me, one of the practices that I've been trying to do during Advent is just paying attention more. Um, I've been really attentive to try and like specifically see shalom moments so I can tell my students this week I saw God in this way um, and I feel like often when you are paying attention you typically see the things that you're looking for um, things that are probably happening around you all the time anyways and you just don't necessarily notice it if you don't have your eyes open um, so coming at it with like this posture of wonder which I think is very you know Christmas season appropriate like we come and we stand and say, okay, God, like today, I really want to see 
like your piece at work in the world, like open my eyes to that. Let me see that in the world around me, whether that's through specific lyrics of a song that I'm going to listen to when I drive into work or someone I see at Kroger or whatever it is. Um, For me, that's been almost like a, a reshaping of worship, making it an everyday kind of thing, asking God to form and shape me in the ordinary times of life when I'm not gathering online with my church or on campus with my church or whatever, Um, just when I'm by myself. So that's something that I've been trying to do this season. That's great. That's so good. Thank you. Well, guys, we have reached the end of our time. Thank you so much for being here with us. I know you all have meetings and sessions to run off to. Um, So thank you once again uh, to Grace, Jade, and Austin. And uh, Trevecca Community Church, we'll see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. on Facebook for Christmas Eve service. We love you. Have a good day.